Thank you for joining us these last few weeks as we've been uh, talking about the coming of Christ. That was the last of our great stories of the Bible. And uh, for some months, the Lord has been speaking to me about doing a series on the sayings of Jesus. And uh, next week, we will begin that series. Um, I just feel that... Uh, because Jesus is God's son, and uh, when God introduced him to Moses and said, I'm going to raise up a prophet like you, and he said, um, you're going to need to listen to him. And whoever does not listen to him, I will call that person into account. And um, on a number of occasions, God identified Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration being one. And he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so I think it behooves us to look at everything that Jesus said, not only his major teachings, but even his offhanded remarks, and um, see what is there for us that we need to listen to, that we can apply to our lives. So next week, we'll be uh, beginning that series on the sayings of Jesus, and I invite you to join us again uh, next week. Well, this is um, a very important step in the ordination, consecration, inauguration of Jesus, and that is the temptation of Jesus. Although it's not directly connected to Jesus' baptism, we believe that it came right after his baptism. In fact, um, as you read the end of chapter 3 of, of Luke, um, you're reading about Jesus' baptism. And then chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, that's where the baptism had taken place, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, probably the wilderness south um, in the southern part of the nation of Israel. And... Um, He's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Let's just stop there for a minute. So uh, that's a rather unique thing to hear. Because if you're like me, you've grown up reciting the Lord's Prayer. And what do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? We pray, and lead us not into temptation. And yet in this passage, we read that Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan and was led, into the, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, verse 2, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And the other gospel writers, Mark and, and uh, Matthew, they make it even more clear. They say he was, he was led into the wilderness in order to be tempted by the devil. In other words, it was God's direction that led him there to confront the devil in, in temptation. I don't believe that God is, is saying that's a pattern for our lives, that, we need, that he will lead us to temptation, per se. But he does allow us to go through temptation. And he gives us the strength to overcome we're going to study how Jesus dealt with the temptation um, that he faced. And we'll gain some strength for our own encounters with temptation. 
So he's led by the Holy Spirit. And the back in verse 1, it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. I just want to remind us that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at baptism and filled him and empowered him. And he, he lived his life and he conducted his ministry on earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. He, in every way, identified with us. That's how we do it. We can't confront Satan in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how he confronted Satan as well. How do we do ministry? In the power of the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus do ministry? In the power of the Holy Spirit. He did it like we would need to do it. So he could be a model for us. And so he could understand fully everything that we're going through. Well, the scripture says in verse 2 that he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Um, During those 40 days, he ate nothing. And at the end of them, he was hungry. That would be an understatement, I'm sure. I've never met anyone who fasted 40 days. I've met, I have a friend who um, had made a regular practice uh, fasting a week at a time, at least once a year. And, uh, but never 40 days. And to say that at the end of that period, he was hungry would be, uh, again, an understatement. Let's read verse three. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. So let's stop for just a minute. I think it would be good for us to analyze each of these temptations on on their own, and then we'll talk about the, the whole group. So the first temptation that Satan throws at Jesus is um, a temptation for him to use his divine power to meet a personal need. I'm not sure that we're going to face that kind of uh, temptation specifically, but we will face the temptation to be selfish, to um, use the things of God for personal gain. In Jesus' case, He recognized who was speaking to him, and he recognized that the great hunger that he was facing was not going to take his life. It it was not going to end in some kind of a disaster. He knew that he had a heavenly father who would take care of him. And so he was able to um, come back to the devil and speak to him, and he speaks to him not with reasoning, but he speaks to him with scripture. Look at this in verse four. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And so he quotes the Old Testament. He quotes from Deuteronomy. And uh, man shall not live on bread alone. And uh, what, a, what a tremendous thing to do when, when you're confronted with temptation to have scripture at your fingertips to use in confronting the devil. And he uses that. Let's go on and let's read the next one. So this would be verse five. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, 
I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Verse 7, if you worship me, it will be yours. Now let's stop just a minute before we read Jesus' response. Let's go back to verse 6. So um, he says something that sounds reasonable, and yet I want to ask you, was it true? He said to Jesus that um, he would give all the authority and splendor of these kingdoms of the world to Jesus because it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. Well, Satan has been called the prince of the power of the air and he does have a certain amount of um, influence in this world, but is it true that all the kingdoms of the world have been given to him and he has the power to give them to anyone he wants to? I think he's, he's, um, re- he's reasoning in an unreasonable way. He's saying something that's not true. And Jesus knew that it wasn't true. And he, he responds to this statement by a very simple statement. And his simple statement is this. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And again, he quotes scripture. The question wasn't whether or not it would be good for Jesus to rule all the kingdoms of the world. No doubt Jesus knew that he would one day rule all the kingdoms of this world. And perhaps this was a temptation for him not to have to go through what he knew he had come for, which was death. Uh, that he could, he could rule these kingdoms by just bowing to Satan. I'm not sure how great a temptation this really was to him. Um, he, he combats it with a very simple statement from Scripture. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so... Um, he realizes that the, the end does not justify the means. In other words, getting to rule the world is not worth the price that would have to be paid in order to get there, which would be bowing down and worshiping Satan. And he knows that because he knows the scripture and he's able to respond. Let's go on to the next one. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. And then Satan quotes scripture. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So um, Satan uh, uses Jesus' technique. He uses scripture, but he uses it in a wrong way. He uses it to get Jesus to do something that would be frivolous. 
putting God to the test. Jesus answers again with a quote. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan can use scripture to tempt us. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever been tempted by the enemy when you're praying or when you're reading his word? All the time, all the time. He'll take a scripture and and, um, make you think of something related to it. Or when you're praying, um, you might be praying for a person and he'll take a thought about that person or someone else and he'll turn it into a temptation. All the time, he'll do that. And we need to be prepared and we need to be ready like Jesus was. Um, It's so good how Jesus responded. It is said, meaning it is said in scripture, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so um, let's talk a little bit about what we can learn from this passage and uh, in our dealing with the enemy. We'll pick up verse 13 here in chapter four in just a minute. That's gonna be an important one, but let's talk about how Jesus handled the enemy in his, uh, the temptations that he faced. So I suppose the greatest thing that I notice is that he used scripture. In each case, each of the three temptations that he faced, he used scripture. How well do we know scripture? I think it would be a good thing for us to uh, be so immersed in scripture that no matter what the temptation was, we would have something in our mind that could come quickly to the forefront of our mind that we could use as a defense against a temptation. Um, One of the things that I think particularly is important for men is when we're dealing with the temptation of lust, to have some scripture in our arsenal so that we can uh, fight against that temptation. It's a common one and it it can come quickly and we need to be able to deal with it quickly. I'm sorry that I haven't been prepared enough to have the scriptures, the actual references that I use in, in that particular temptation, but there's one that I've, I've found in Job, and I believe it's Job 31, verse 1. And it goes like this. I have resolved in my mind never to um, look lustfully at a young woman. And uh, that's, that's a little bit of a paraphrase, but it's something that I'll use um, for any situation that involves the temptation to lust. And there should be some other verses that we have in our arsenal. And then every, every single kind of temptation, a temptation to pride, a temptation to being condemning towards other people, uh, we need to have some scripture that we can use against the enemy and uh, to uh, defeat him in his attempts uh, to defeat us. Jesus was a great example and uh, used used scripture. Um, So let's look back in in our study of uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 13, and let's look at verse 13. This is after the temptation. And it says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him 
until an opportune time. Someone pointed out to me this week, and I, I really appreciate the observation, that this wasn't Jesus' only temptation. This was an example of his temptation and perhaps a very significant and difficult time of testing um, right after his baptism, just following a 40-day fast and right before the beginning of his ministry. This was a, probably the most significant or one of the most significant times of temptation in his life. But by this phrase at the end that he left him until an opportune time, the opportune time is the opportune time for the devil. So the devil left him until he had another opportune time to tempt him. That means that Jesus faced this kind of thing again. When there was a situation where he might have been in the natural, particularly weak, Satan came to him and tempted him. Let's talk about um, a couple of those times. One of those times was um, in the garden. Right before he was um, put on trial, right before he was arrested, right before he was uh, taken to the cross, he knew what was coming and he's praying in the garden. And um, he's, he's sweating drops of blood and he knows what's coming and he's praying and he's saying, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And he's, he's toying with this whole idea of not going through with it. That's a temptation. And um, how did he handle that temptation? He followed up his natural inclination with a statement of submission. He had learned submission, not only... Um, in his time with the Father before coming to earth, but while on earth, he had learned submission to the Father and to his will. And he said this statement, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so he dealt with that temptation that hit him at a most critical time. That was another opportune time um, that Luke refers to here in verse 13. Let's talk about another time related to this time in his life. He's on the cross now. And um, people are coming by and they're saying, if you're the son of God, if you're the Messiah, come down from the cross. In other words, you're claiming to be this son of God. Um, you shouldn't be bound by this cross. Come on down. And Jesus had earlier in the garden when, when uh, one of his followers had cut off the servant of the high priest's ear and he had said, put your sword up. He said, don't you know that I, I could call 12 legions of angels and they could come and deliver me from this? And on the cross, he's thinking that same thing. He's thinking, oh, I'd love to call 12 legions of angels and just make toast out of these people that are that are shouting this at me. But he resisted that temptation. And he fulfilled the passage about him in Isaiah 53 that said, like a sheep to the slaughter. Uh, so he was silent in, 
in uh, going to, to his death. He never opened his mouth. And he didn't even at that accusation, though that was a great temptation. I know there were other opportune times in, his, in uh, Satan's encounters with Jesus. And we don't have all of those uh, in mind today, but those were just a couple. So Jesus faced other temptations as well. But every time he was able to resist the enemy and he used scripture or he used silence and he resisted the enemy and he never yielded to the temptation. How important was that, that he resist every temptation that Satan had thrown his way? Let's go back to this temptation uh, that we're talking about here in Luke and just think about it again. What would have happened had Jesus not resisted those three temptations? What would have happened in terms of our redemption, in terms of our salvation, had he um, yielded to one of those temptations? he would no longer be sinless. If he had gone to the cross, his sacrifice would not have paid for the sins of the world. It was very important. This was akin to what happened when Satan tried to destroy him as a baby through Herod by having Herod kill all the young children under two years of age, all the young boys in Bethlehem. That was an attempt of Satan to kill the Messiah before he had a chance to complete his work. And in this case, he's taking a different approach. Let's kill his effectiveness by getting him to sin. And so he he tempted him at this important time before he's beginning his ministry. What would have happened Had Jesus yielded, it would have been a whole different story. We would not have had any of the things that we enjoy today. But he resisted every time, right up to the end, even to his death. And because he did, he could be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist had indicated. I'd like you to look at a passage, 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Peter says this uh, beautiful thing about Jesus. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Had he yielded to those temptations, he would not have been a a lamb without blemish or defect. His blood would not have paid for our sins. But as it is, he, he, he withstood those temptations. He rejected them. He stood firm. And he became the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Let me ask you a question. What great thing might God be wanting to do in my life and your life 
by our resisting the temptations of the enemy. Let me give you an example. I'd like you to to look at Job chapter 1 verse 8. When uh, we begin the story of Job, we have this incredible um, information that uh, Satan is actually in the presence of God. And God is boasting about Job. Um, And he says this, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. I don't know the significance of that encounter and what kingdom work was done by that. But God was able to use Job as a point of boasting before Satan. And because God is not a sinful God, we know that his boasting had a righteous purpose. And so he's using Job's blamelessness. And uh, that implies to me that Job resisted the enemy. He resisted temptation and he followed God. What glory could God get from you and me if we resisted the enemy? I believe that Jesus' temptation was a proving ground for him, um, a testing ground for him before he began his ministry, a proof that God was with him, a proof that he was ready to resist any temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we need to do it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the help of his word, we need to commit ourselves today to learning God's word, hiding it in our hearts, to having scripture at our disposal. When we encounter temptations and we realize we don't have any scripture to deal with it, to go to the word and to find scripture that helps us to deal with that temptation and then to learn it so we'll have it the next time we face that particular temptation. God is calling us today to be men and women who resist the enemy, who resist his temptations. And I just want to reiterate a question that I just asked, and that is, what does God have in mind for you and me? What kind of glory could we bring to his name if we resisted the temptations that Satan brings to our life every day? Let's do it. Let's do it with his help through the power of his spirit. Let's use his word. Let's be men and and women of God who follow the example of Jesus and resist the enemy. Hallelujah. Pray with me if you would. God, I want to thank you for this reminder today that our Savior, that our Lord Jesus resisted the enemy and was victorious. He was not fooled by the enemy's arguments. He did not yield to things that were even pleasurable to him, but he resisted. He knew your word and he used your word and he operated in the power of your Holy Spirit. May we do the same. May we live our lives in the power of your spirit. May we know your word, 
Help us, Lord, to learn it and to use it in temptation and not to allow the enemy to get an upper hand in our lives. May we be people of God who bring glory, incredible glory to your name, just like Jesus did. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.